It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking packs. All right, guys, welcome back. Vegas edition, stacking pennies. I'm Corey the Joy, joined by a couple good friends. Front tire changer for Austin Cendricks. Number two, pit road boats and woes analyst, Ryan Flores. What up? Chuck Bush. Hey, how's it going? Soccer aficionado. We're going to catch up with the first... Olay, what do they call Olay. it? Charlotte Football Club? Yeah, Charlotte Football Club. And they really got created with that name. Yeah, you know. And the least famous person I've talked to today, because I talked to Mario Andretti today, Merriman, and you, sir, are the bottom of the list in terms of famous people I've talked to today. So You like that? I'm above Merriman on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd rather talk to Luigi. Has <laughs> 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 a terrible Oh, my God. Uh. That was pretty cool to talk to Mario Andretti on Sirius XM Radio. Uh, the guy's sharp as a tack, 82 years old, still got it. But, yeah. A lot of stuff to talk about in Vegas, but I feel like we've kind of breezed over our real lives a little bit, Chuck. You do? Yeah, because we get in here and we talk shop. We get into yeah. the weeds of nuts and bolts. Wrenches, adjustments. But I want to get inside your head a little bit. Oh, no. That's, not, that's a scary place to be. Worried about you. How you yeah, doing? Me too. I am, <laughs> I am very worried about me. Dude, the soccer game looked electric. That was... Boogie, woogie, woogie. You're done. Your dad jokes are done for the episode, pal. Shelf them. Keep them coming. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was one of the coolest Charlotte moments that I've ever experienced. And he was um, here when they founded it. I was. I was back here in 17. <laughs> he fought for this city. <laughs> <laughs> he knew the damn queen. Yeah. Queen Charlotte. She's a crazy old lady that blew away. You know, Ornery she... old bitch. Anyway. <laughs> no. Badass. The the anthem alone was worth the price of admission. The, the... Did you sing baritone? I did. I did. You know, I was, uh, you could hear me on that big overall thing. Like you can hear my voice just belting. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it kind of sucked because the microphone went out for the, um, the anthem singer. Yeah. And then as soon as it cut out, everybody without missing a beat in the entire stadium started singing the national anthem. And it came back for a little bit. Her mic came back and then it went out again. And it, part of me is like the skeptic in me was like, they probably cut that microphone on purpose just to, build Drum up, up this. story yeah but even though they lost it was one of the most electric experiences it was only a one nothing loss so i mean in soccer that's it's still a loss but that's a close game and they were in it the whole time and you could just feel like as soon as that goal scores for for charlotte fc it's gonna be electric who do they play la uh, galaxy oh yeah. yeah a rare charlotte Jimmy Johansson sighting. Yes. IndyCar driver. Jim, IndyCar, yeah, IndyCar driver. driver. Jimmy Johnson was there. He did a little wave to the uh, Agent 89 was there, too. Like, it was cool. All the Charlotte dignitaries were there. Going back to your national anthem thing, if there's ever, like, and you guys are at NASCAR, so you have the in on this. If there's ever somebody gets sick or can't make it, have Corey sing the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> He's I done this in a pinch before. And, and I'll do it again. Just yeah. randomly, like, you Not know, scared. Go yeah, to the righty. It's, it's surprisingly good. I'm decent. Yeah. I'm decent. No, Why don't I mean, we just make you it just happen can't hide. in general? Yeah, you just can't hide the American coming out. I, th I think we can put that into the ether because, you know, there may be some like NASCAR people that listen to this podcast. Maybe some that even work for tracks. I'm you not volunteering. Get... I'm not <laughs> volunteering. No, let's get I'm... them to sing it for like the ARCA race this weekend in Phoenix or something. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, that's the thing. Like we put it out there and like if there is an no. issue, the first person that they should go to is Corey LaJoy. Oh, hey, I found a penny on my way in. Yes. The dulcet hey, tones. Hey. To, that, to our story last week, I don't know if it made the cut or not. It did. 
Um, Thanks for listening. He get my man gives me a, pen, a penny. Another top fifteen boys. Solid just, day out of the Schluter Systems Camaro. That's camp. a good day. I'm finding pennies all over the place. Yeah, this one's seen its better days. It's a, it's a ni- good one. It's, a, it's got a five on 1950 something. Wow, this is a OG. I'm gonna tuck this away for. That might be solid copper. That, that means this be. is gonna be a good podcast. Yep. Starting Def- off strong. Definitely is, boys. I'm excited about this one. But um, have you ever, either one of you or you been to the Valley of Fire State Park up in Vegas, no. north of the track? It's quite a grueling hike. Uh, I did about 14 miles on Friday, and I was smoked. My legs are still sore. But, uh, yeah, don't recommend that. I was by myself, too, so I was That's not know, smart. one rolled ankle away from being vulture food. Yeah, I watched uh, the documentary on people getting lost in national parks and stuff. You can get lost yeah. in that when it's not very well well marked, uh, you know, but I thought to myself, what would David Goggins do? What? Probably yell some profanity at the camera and make you feel like you're I was so exhausted, I was yelling profanities to myself <laughs> to, like, it was like I took the wrong turn kind of, and I went, like, the long way, and I realized the long way is about five miles longer than I anticipated. Then we got to the racetrack on Saturday, and it was all business as usual. Well, speaking of legs being cooked, Reddick, same problem. Legs went to sleep again, and Almirola had the same thing, but his right leg went to sleep. My foot keeps going to sleep, but my original thought as to why guys' legs are going to sleep is because I thought that I think the foot boxes are longer on these cars, so your legs are further away, so the seat is on the bottom of your legs, but not the case because mine, I'm pretty in tune with mine on just – pressure points and things like that that's not it it's the harmonic vibrations, vibrations yeah. because i feel like no. the the ap braking pedal system that all comes out in one piece i think there was a video of the interior guy for kyle bush's car taking the whole thing out and putting it in they don't absorb the the vibrations as much as the other p- pedals did so i do think that because our shoes our driving shoes literally are just a piece of rubber and then our foot just so you can feel uh, the pedal's better, and I think that's what it is. It's like the radiating from your foot to your ankle to your legs. Could they put some sort of, I don't know, could they put some sort of like gasket in between like the pedal assembly and that to absorb it? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I, I feel like that's probably, uh, if a team wanted to do that, they could. They can, You can also put your own pads, like your pedal faces on there. I'm sure people put wood or some different things that absorb energy, but that's such an interesting thing you wouldn't even think about. And Tyler said he, he had it last week at Fontana. It was even worse this week at Vegas, so which makes me think that. But his left leg went That's to what sleep. I'm thinking because his left leg isn't on a pedal because you didn't use any brake there at Vegas. So I don't know. He's got some issues. I'm sure they want to f- finish that up before they go to Phoenix this week because, you know, you're going to have to be really in tune with the brake pedal and how much you use, and that's a really pretty brake-sensitive heavy racetrack. So. Those are two. So, like, Tyler Reddick has gotten really fit over the years, and Eric Almirola is really fit. I never heard Tony Stewart about his legs falling You know asleep. why? So maybe they need a cheeseburger. That's what I, I was going to say. I can weigh in on this. <laughs> if, yeah, you, you if you look at my, my body type, I absorb a lot of vibration. Yeah. All right? Yeah, you can dissipate it. Nothing ever goes to sleep. Just saying. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call bullshit, but that's just me. We'll carry on from that awkward silence. Yeah. <laughs> Into the race. Not even. We had a little bit of excitement in practice. Yeah. Kyle Bush has a left rear tire go flat, backs her in the fence. Backed it in. Backed into uh, that backup car. He did back that thing right in, didn't he? Just and backed it right in. Backed it out. They backed uh, the car right out, and they backed it right into the garage, and his boys worked all night long and all morning long to fix that thing and get ready for Sunday morning. 
We saw Chris Bell on the pole, solid lap. Thought it was looking like Kyle Larson for a second, but Chris Bell nipped him in the end. What pit stall did he pick? Was he? Did he he pit- picked pit stall one, which bad decision. Yeah, and they lost. They lost spots because of it. He, did he can't not, launch out of he it. He should have watched our pit stall analysis show. I, I told Rocco. I saw Rocco before the race that I watched it, and he said, "Hey, where'd the five car pick pit stall five or six? What is it, it is. about the first one? It it's the transition from super slick. Uh, it's the transition from concrete to asphalt that kills your launch." And at that place, the uh, the line that ends pit road is much further away than most. So like Atlanta, when, I don't know what it's going to be when we go back with the repave, but it used to be like really close. There's some tracks, New Hampshire, where it's really close. At Vegas, for some reason, from the end of the pit stall to where they count your position, which is not where pit road ends. There's right. two different lines. It's it's not It's so far away that it doesn't really help as much. So also another pit road box little nugget the fact that kyle bush didn't get to pick a spot i was talking to a couple chevy guys and the 300 cars were further down pit road so when the 18 car came in leading and they saw them take four all 300 cars up there instantly audible to two tires so who'd have thought that not qualifying not picking a spot that's favorable you're at the end of pit road could get you buried behind three cars that audible for two tires Pit stall selection this year is as big as ever. I mean, you saw the 45 drove through the 43's pit box, hit James Houck in the tire, damn near cleaned Greg Dolan's head off. Um, I saw the 48 leaving, hit the 51. Like, there's a lot of time in pit stall selection right now with as close as these cars are and everybody being on the lead lap. So you would have insider information on this. One thing in working on that show last year, Penske always has a knack for taking pit stall two. So Todd Gordon always yeah. had an act for invented taking invented that, too. right? Like, uh, it's a it's a big deal. Like, it's a big deal. Um, I believe Rocco calls it the bully box. Yeah. He's kind of bully the guy in first. Put but some pressure on. There's him. a it's there's there's um a lot of times when you pick pit stall too, it ends up to where for some reason sometimes a guy in pit stall one has a rough day, then you're pretty much in pit stall one. There's also turned into days like we did it at Kansas one time. We picked pit stall two. I was with Blaney in the 21 car, and we had like it was like his career run, right? We almost won, so and we were racing Truex. Martin Truex, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were—I mean, it was a scrap fight all day, one and two. But yeah, there's time in that second pit stall for sure. There's something to not having to, you know, get to your lights. For, you slow down, then launch again. You don't lose that time twice. Uh, but it is racetrack dependent on where that timing line ends uh, to end pit road. Mm-hmm. 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 How was now? This is also side note. This is the second week in a row. This is a record that two races in a row have polled in the Jeff Gluck. Was it a good race poll above ninety percent? And it it was like yeah. watching it on TV. I, I have not watched it twice. What makes it? You want to know what? Good. You want to know what makes it good? Yeah. Because and this is gonna you're gonna feel like oh this is a company man answer. People at the R and D center put the damn time into developing this car to race on two mile and mile and a half tracks. So the car was literally built for it. There is also a factor in my mind that not everybody's figured it out yet. I think we'll see some separation, but like in my opinion, what they said was going to work worked. There's some things need to be worked on. Sure. But the car is doing what it's supposed to do. I agree a hundred percent with that. And I, I was watching the race Sunday and then again on Monday and I was watching it thinking at some point, 
we're going to get to that this year. We're going to get to the point where we have long, drawn-out green flag runs, and it's going to be, oh, my God, this is, you know, like it. But that's when everybody starts to figure it out, right? And in my mind... Pause that right yeah. thought right now. What I love about it so far is that we haven't made it a full fuel run without somebody busting their ass. Right. Like, you know that those things drive worse and worse and worse. And as soon as by the time you get to the fuel run, the tires are about had it. So it's inevitable somebody's either going to mess up on pit road coming on for green flag stops or bust their ass. Kyle Larson almost busted his ass early in that race. He saved it. But, you know, that's the type of like you have a NASCAR champion who almost loses it like that to me. And in practice, Kyle Bush loses it. Granted, you know, tire issues. But you're seeing guys that you They're know. They're hard to drive can win yeah they're hard to drive well and there's consequences right like i can't i can't get over the fact like i know how good the racing is when people are bitching about what happens when a car gets a flat tire right if that's what we're worried about but you know what it's good when you get a flat tire there's a consequence because when you're racing at the highest level of sports or you're the, the highest level of racing there should be consequences for not having a clean race if you spin out and get flat tires guess what you might go a lap down don't spin out you're getting paid you're getting paid a lot of money to drive a race car like there like there's there and and the same thing. If you hit the fence and you bend a toe link, it can ruin your day. There's a consequence. You have to be good. You have to drive them. You have to put together a day. To the, to that point, I think the next gen car has a great balance of durability with transaxles. We haven't seen any transaxle failures that were of the manufacturers doing. We've only seen guys jamming gear at the wrong time or the prop shaft breaks at LA stuff like that. The the manufactured supplied things are holding up. To Ryan's point, like if you mess up and hit the fence, you're going to pay a penalty for that. Now, you can lean on the cars, you can do this and that, but yeah, you shouldn't have to make these cars bulletproof. Like there needs to be a penalty for making a mistake. Well, talk about Denny's deal, right? So, did you go back and watch the race? Did not. So, is it to downshift you push up? Yeah. To upshift you go back. Correct. So, basically, what to he. To that point also, sorry to interrupt. Like if you have any pressure, on that shifter going one way or the other, it will fall into gear once the revs match. Like if you had a little bit of pressure on on like just holding it forward and he lifted and the revs match, it's eating that gear like the the wrong way. Well, so those he, things aren't those things aren't like what, childproof. What he did was he was I guess he went you know first second and then in his head he was still H pattern and was pushing it went it forward. up. To like where you would catch third in a normal in a normal That's what gated did, transmission, really? yeah. So he when he was leaving pit road, I think is, is yeah. what it was, right? So it was you know, eight every year in the transmission. I have a theory about that, and I think this could be my fault. For some whatever dumbass reason, sometimes I stand up, and when there's a car leaving behind us, I'll just shoot them with my pit gun. I've done it three times. <laughs> I did it to Kyle Bush once, and he sped on pit road when he was leading. <laughs> I did it to Kyle Larson once because they cut us off. We paid the same time, and he got a flat tire at Phoenix coming to the checkered. You're playing Duncan. And I did it to Denny Hamlin this weekend. We were <laughs> lap down, and he was just leaving, and I just shot his ass as he was going by. Two seconds later, he was blown up. I don't know that it was my fault, but I cannot confirm that it wasn't my fault either. I just see you on payroll going pew, 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 Yeah, pew. no, I just pulled the trigger and everything. Pop, pop. But do you make the noises, though? Like, do no, you the do gun the makes the noise. I have oh, the whole oh, thing. Come on. Yeah. You got to make a little pew, pew. I just let him know. Sometimes you just got to shoot him. If I see that gun directed my way, I'm knocking. <laughs> I'm hitting you. I, Literally hey. hit, swiping at you. You better. 
I so, will. To the point about the mistakes and all that stuff, and going back to Kyle Larson with what he had earlier in the race. But what the, happened it, to him? Did you just have a moment? He, yeah, he had a moment where he like just kind of lost it going in like into the trial. He got sideways. Yeah. He yeah. got sideways, and they're like, oh, his dirt track and saved his, and like, cool, whatever. But if you watch at the end of the race when he and Bowman are going at it side by side, there is a point where Kyle is on the outside and he bobbles ever so slightly. And then Bowman's able to keep it, you know, mashed down and go. Are you talking about the last lap? Yeah. I'll point out something else. With the previous car and every other car for the last 15 years, if they're that tight, if the five is that tight to the 48th door getting into the corner, they're both wrecked. Yeah. So I think the fact that we we as drivers and we as setting the cars up now with this next gen car, you're not relying on that side force to hold you yeah. because you're relying really and truly how much total down it makes and how much rear down it makes. Because now Kyle's taking all the air off his door. Well, he wasn't really relying on the air in his door to keep him straight in the first place. So he was able, he was loose, but both of those guys buried in there for the win. Right. Any other year, like I said, for the last 15, they're both wrecked. But the fact that that thing, is not relying on side force to try to keep the thing going in circle allowed that good of a finish and those guys drag race to the line. Yeah. Well, and the, the guy on the outside is winning that battle every time. But like for Bowman to be able to stay disciplined and hook the bottom when Kyle throttled up, you know, that that's what more can you ask for? Uh, I was back, talking, talk, back right into it, really. Talking, yeah, talking to my friend Larry McReynolds, that's cool to say. Uh, <laughs> Old name dropping. Yeah, he was telling me that he went back after the race and looked at the SMT data. And he said that you could go on there and see the trace from uh, Alex where he just cranked the wheel to the left and got in the gas a lot sooner than Kyle. And that's why I was able to clear him off four. Well, a combination of you know the wake off of Alex's car, I think, affects the outside car more than it did with the previous configuration. It made Kyle get tight, right? He also buried it in there deep. Both of them guys drove it in there deeper than they had been all day. You got to think, with a green-white checkered, the crew chiefs are pumping the air pressures up in the tires. So that is max grip for two laps. That is all you got. And those are the two, actually those guys took rights, but still um, that is maximum grip for, and well, I think we'll also see a trend. Now you don't see it's racetrack particular though. You're going to see more two tire stops now that that precedent's set, I think, because it's harder to get from, no, no matter if you have better tires, it's hard to maneuver through the field just because everybody's running relatively the same speed because it's it's a track position race more so than ever right now. But even if even if we didn't have overtime, the way that Truex was creeping up on the 18, like I don't think he probably would have passed Kyle. Kyle probably wins that race if, if that wreck doesn't happen with, with Jones. But like the competitiveness level throughout that race, I think – the race would have been good, win, lose, or draw, no matter no matter overtime. In my opinion, it was a good race to overtime. Like like that was a good race because, like you said, Truex was there. He was making moves. He might might have fallen off a little bit there when the caution came out. Why didn't but, anybody stay out? Um, I think they saw Kurt Busch and I drop to the tail. Now, in hindsight, we probably should have took two. We being the seven car, because I think that we probably could have restarted fifth or sixth and probably ended up like 10th or 11th, but you also run the risk of getting torn up just because guys are really pushing the envelope at the end. Um, you think Kyle would have gotten eaten up if he'd have stayed out? Anybody would have got eaten up. Yeah. I think that the difference now it depends if you're, if you were 10th and you stay out, could you hold on if you choose the outside and get a decent run potentially, but you're not going to win the race. 
impossible to win the race. I think that's what you have to do is you got to make a call to, at the end of the day, you got to make a call to win the race as opposed to just backing into it. And you know? my, my question to that point, you've got two weeks in a row, Hendrick cars win the race. And, you know, you've got Kyle Larson battling Bowman teammates. Part of me was like, oh, did, did, did Larson, since he won last week, did he kind of let Bowman have it? No, no, it's Kyle Larson. The guy won 10 races last year. Every time he can see the checkered flag, he's going to drive it in there and go for it. So Bowman beat Larson to the line. Like just, it's a straight up shootout, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, and Alex Bowman got the job done. Also, interesting fact, he's got the second most wins since the beginning of last year. Behind? Kyle Larson. Yeah. yeah. Not behind Kyle Busch. No. Not behind Denny Hamlin. Not behind Phil in the blank. Chase Elliott, even. Chase Elliott's got two wins in that same time frame. Yeah. He ain't, Alex Bowman, say what you want to, is in position to win. If, Kyle, Kyle Busch could have been second at Pocono when Kyle, when Kyle Larson got a left front down. Like If I'm Alex he Bowman. He is in position. Every media event I do this week, I'm gonna have a like a semi truck backup alarm, just <laughs> beep, and and beep, literally walk backwards beep. into the yeah, chair for sure. Yeah. So yeah. If you'd asked me five years ago if Alex Bowman would be winning this many races, I probably would have said no. I think you're everybody would have. Yeah, everybody yeah. would. He's everybody driving for BK Racing at that right, time. Right. Right. Yeah. And now he's in great equipment with a good, great team behind him. And I, I think to me, what I took away from that race with all of that put in there is that everyone that is racing at the cup level is a damn good race car driver. If you, if you take, like, if you put everything on a playing field. Have you looked at the, have you? I mean, except for that guy sitting oh, there. Yeah, yeah. Except, for, except, for, except for me, yeah. But the, it's the best of the best, right? I mean, that's what we say all the time. Like, if you're racing that, at that level, you had to have done something to get there. Look at Matt Stafford. Who would have thought he was any good? Right. right, playing for the Detroit Lions for 15 years, he gets with the right organization that gets the most out of him, puts him in the right situation. Now look what he can do. It's the title of the show. So they're stacking pennies. Yeah, right. The small details, but I think that the more I get ingrained of this deal and understand how it works, the organizations that sustain greatness for over a period of time is so impressive to me because no matter who you plug in it, no matter how bad they were when they got there or how good they are when they left, they don't have the success they'd had. As they were in the company, no matter what it was, whether it's simulation time, I think it's probably just the amount of accountability within the door. I mean, you work at Team Penske, well, which is one of those guys on the list. You look at you look at a guy like Alex Bowman, he wouldn't be employed at Hendrick Motorsports if they didn't see his work ethic every day. If they didn't think that he was a guy that he can contend with or go win championships with, right? It doesn't start and end when the green flag drops on Sunday and the checkered, the checkered drops after that. It's all week long, right? they it's the work he's putting in with Josh Wise. It's the, the stuff he's doing on and off the racetrack with sponsors and probably at the simulator and working with Greg, right? Like it goes way deeper than anybody thinks. Getting in the cars is, you know, 20% of what you actually do. So Rick Hendrick wouldn't keep him around if they thought he was a slouch. These people know who, who are good and who are not. They do their work too. No doubt. And look, there's a lot of good race car drivers throughout the country, right? And everything. You look at Will Byron, he goes to New Smyrna and wins two late model races, right? You look at, obviously, Kyle Larson and Chris Bell, but even Alex Bowman running his sprint car more and going, you know, going and doing well with the All-Stars. These guys are good race car drivers. Don't discredit them. No doubt. And I think that, you know, a lot a lot of, to, to Chuck's point, it's like, there's not much left to get out of, you know, if you're, this might be kind of a, a knock on Xfinity guys, but it's a big jump. 
from just the depth of the field. There's probably 10 or 12 guys that know what they're doing uh, on a Saturday afternoon. It goes to the Cup Series. I mean, if you're not on your game, Cody Ware's dropping by you. Yeah. And that, that, I mean that as a compliment to Cody. Like, now that he's on, he's got a decent car. Like, he's not as bad as what a lot of people thought he was, right? He's got a car to compete with. He's not in the way. So, to that point, organizations still mean a lot and people mean more than they ever have. But yeah, like, if a driver is in a position around the other people where he feels confident, confidence, I think, is a lot of time goes unnoticed of, you know, if you don't believe in yourself going in, nobody else is going to believe in you. You're not going to be able to get the job done. So when you're Alex Bowman working with a Josh Wise alongside a Greg Ives who has undying confidence in you, like, you go to the racetrack with one motive, and that is to win the race and not to back into them. Well, you look at you know? guys – well, look at guys like <laughs> – I don't know how you say a guy backed in the win when he beat the probably one of the best race car drivers in the world toe to toe with the same equipment, right? But yeah, that you know, but he backed in. We can, always know. He can says we also stuff. point out that earlier in the race that Bowman drove past Kyle Busch? Now, yeah, they were off cycle on pit sequences, yeah. but still, he's up there contending all day. I've, I've got so like Alex is another part, but like if you go back to the to the organizational stuff, right? You look at guys like. If you watch the first couple of years of Joey Logano's career at Gibbs, yeah. he's written off, yeah. right? Look at the first decade of Martin Truick's career, mm-hmm. right? It, it's about, it's not just about getting in the car and going fast. It's about aligning yourself with the right people. And this, the right people for Corey LaJoy might not be the right people for Austin Sindrick or Kyle Larson or, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's a huge deal. And I, you know, you think about it when you go back and watch documentaries of like Rick Hendrick putting Tim Richmond with Harry Hyde, right? That that is what these big teams do very well. They put good people together. And I watch it with Austin. Like straight up, they put him with really good people that make him a better race car driver and make him think about the sport better. A prime example of that is Chad Knauss and William Byron. Like Chad Knauss with Jimmy Johnson, they're lighting the world on fire because they worked well together. But with William Byron, was that the best fit at Crew Chief? He gets Rudy and does better, and him and Rudy have a history together, right? You got to trust that guy that but you're it, talking to. Yeah. It's not saying that William didn't learn anything from Chad. He probably learned a lot, but it wasn't that like Chad couldn't figure out to get him to the next well, level. Well, I think too, and not couldn't figure out, but you yeah. can you can tell me I'm full of it here. But like, you take a dude like William Byron coming in, you know what rookie season? You pair him with Chad Knauss, dude, just seven time champion. Like, there's a little bit of I feel like from from your perspective as a driver, you've got to be able to hold your own with that crew chief. And for asking that out of a kid that young to go toe-to-toe with Chad is going to be a lot harder to do than... I think it goes like way deeper than that. Like William Byron didn't grow up in a trailer park in El Cajon, California. You know what I mean? Like... There's a difference to how you talk to the grittiness of like, you got to have somebody like Rudy that kind of like that knows how to talk to William. Yeah. You know, like Chad getting up, crawling up in William's ass on the radio isn't probably how he takes encouragement or how he like pushes his butt. Chad can crawl into Jimmy's ass and vice versa. And like, they would just piss each other off enough to get the best out of them. You know? So I think that there's, to, to Ryan's point, and Rick is probably one of the best at it of just pairing, you know, Steve Latart, Dale Jr. is probably a, a great analogy as well. Like, Latart didn't need to push. Like, he figured out Dale Jr. Hey, you 
you better make sure you get to the truck at 8 o'clock in the morning for practice, for a 9 a.m. practice, because I want to make sure you're here and you didn't wake up 10 minutes ago. Like, you got to figure out those little nuances yeah. that make a driver go. Well, doesn't Rick always say he's in the people business? He's not in the racing business. Well, is, I right? would love to have been a fly on the wall on that team meeting that he led. It was they, they did it over Zoom or something like that. And he was the one that talked to all four of the drivers and the teams and like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Like that to me, like he is an excellent gauge of people from, I mean, it's proven on the track with the number of championships they have. It's just, that's fascinating to me. I mean, and, you don't get 279 wins or whatever he's got at this level. Like it's hard to win one race. Yes. You know, like people don't, don't discredit how hard it is to win a cup race. Dude, and the cup series to is back hard. into a cup race is hard. And another team really that hard. like, he's backed into five of them. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive to back him into that many. But another team, Eventually, you got to win one head on walking into right, it. Right. You can't back yeah, into something. Yeah, he's just going to lead all the, the six one he might. The sixth one he might win. Um, if you look at Trackhouse, like to me, it's it's not there yet, but you, you're kind of seeing that to, from my perspective of looking at it from the outside. There's a cultural shift in the way that they're running things and that it just it, – there's an energy with some of the teams there. And Ross Chastain goes out and lead some laps and had stage a stage two winner. Yeah. Had a stout car out there. And course, that's the you know, first time. You that, know why? Cause Dolly Parton was on his quarterback. I read, I read this tweet. It well, said, you know, Suarez would have been better if, if Eric Jones or uh, not. Yeah. Chase Briscoe, Briscoe wasn't on his corner. Panel. Man, he stuffed it. Oh, well, wrong place. The wrong time yeah, for the Amigo. From a car sponsored by Dolly Parton. That's owned by a rapper from Miami. Just took the lead. If you're wondering what's going on in the NASCAR race, <laughs> like, and dude, kudos to them. They're right there to win a race. Yeah. They're right there. If that goes, if that goes a different way, hell, if the one takes two tires, yeah, instead instead of taking four, he wins the race. And you gotta you gotta lose a couple before you win them. And the way that you win them is by putting yourself in position every week. The ninety nine was there last week, and the one was there this week. If you told me like I, I don't watch the race this weekend, and you said the nine or the one nine nine or the one one in Phoenix, I wouldn't be surprised. Just if they want a race, I'm not going to be surprised. I, I think that Trackhouse gets a win. I don't know if they, have, if they get multiple, but they the second day of the Charlotte test, they did something to that car over the lunch break and found about three tenths. Uh, and it's obvious the speed that those cars have, uh, whether that be California, which is probably the most aerodynamic sensitive as well as the most mechanical grip heavy track that we go to. And then you turn around and go back to probably one of the most aerodependent heavy tracks we go to in Vegas. They found something that works. Now, whether or not the other people catch up, but Ross Chastain leading 83 laps isn't a fluke. Like, drove to the lead and was driving away looking solid. So, it'd be cool to see old Rosswick get a dub this year. Uh, and they've been looking good early. Uh, where else we got? What else do you think we want to cover? Let's cover your day. Talk about my day. We didn't talk about it. Hell, that's a damn good run. Yeah. It is a damn good run. Interesting stat. Two top 15 finishes to start the year off. That haven't felt like it, though, Chuck. Why is that? Well... You know, the 500, we just kind of rode around, really didn't engage because we cannot afford to tear up any cars. So that wasn't the most fun. Uh, but cashing a check for 14th at the 500 pays pretty well. Brought it home in one piece. We're going to turn that car around for, the five, for Atlanta. And then we went in with the intention of the West Coast Swing to just run all the laps. Um, be aggressive when we have to, but not very often, right? Ease into it. Block and tackle. And we're going to try to use the same car for California, for Vegas, and for Phoenix. So we've been successful with that, uh, taking care of our equipment. My guys have stayed out there for the entire West Coast swing. 
uh, Sparks, Engineer Roy, pretty much my entire road crew has been out west for three weeks turning that car around. So those guys, kudos to those guys. Appreciate how, that. how many guys do you have working on your team? I think total in the building is 24. 24. So if you, if you wreck a car right now, you're like truly and honestly, if you get out of the West Coast swing without wrecking a car, you've done that team justice for like, if you wreck cars at two of these three races, you put them behind for the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. Right? So that's a, that's a big deal and to be able to. Yeah. And besides just the morale being so low, if that were to happen, because like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, those guys have been working until midnight every week. And that's just to get to the racetrack, let alone catching up and try to build new cars. So the fact that we have, we're going to have three, maybe four cars by the time the West coast swing ends, puts us up, lets the guys take a little bit of a breather and also go through this car to see, you know, what gets hot, what wears, what, you know, so we can check is a post fiction crash stuff. So it has been a pretty solid couple couple of weeks of the year. I could tell how hard they're working because they were pushing the car back from from pit road to the and they had the wrap half ripped off it already. Like they're getting to work. They're like, we got shit to do. We pull the wrap off. They're ready to go. Dude, That's lean. what I was gonna ask. We're like lean. where where are they working on the car? Like what's that look like? Because that's kind of yeah. I know in the past. Like we've done features on like haulers meeting halfway and swapping cars to go back like for the West Coast swing because you got three races out there. Yes, where are they doing that stuff? So my Clash car was the backup for both teams, so that's has been up in the top of the truck. My California car they stayed Monday Tuesday in the garages at the tracks. So they just left them open. I believe NASCAR leaves the Hawkeye set up so they can change suspension pieces, change geometry, roll through the Hawkeye validate it so they can roll through the next week and be somewhat close uh, because pretty much all the all the teams now have a Hawkeye in the shop. So NASCAR allowed the teams to be able to do that. So my guys would work Monday. They We fly a decal guy out there on Tuesday. He wraps the car all day. They'll load it up. Hauler heads to Vegas. My guys head out, drive to Vegas, uh, get there on Thursday, tech on Friday. We race again this past weekend. They stayed out there. They're out there currently, so they stay out there Monday, work on the car, finish it up Tuesday, motor swap, brake swap, suspension swap, transaxle swap because it's a different gear set for, for Phoenix. Uh, so they pretty much rebuilt the whole car, rewrap it, put it in the box, and see at Phoenix. So those guys are getting after it. I've got one more technical question before we move on to the next segment. Uh, why, and this is just different, but why are we seeing a plethora of left rear flat tires? I think that guys are just trying to get too low on air. I, I really think so. You, I think the the way the suspension is, it gets more torque on the tire. And with as, as harsh as the cars are on the bumps, uh, I think, I don't know. I haven't really seen one up close, but it's easy to just point at air pressure because the more air you take out of left rear, the more grip it makes, yep. uh, which is usually the way it's been. Uh, but that may or may not be the case. I do not know. I'm not a Goodyear engineer. But the red flag when you go out and you junk a car the first two laps of practice is that you probably and because it's a left rear flat you either ran something over, which or you're is too low hard to have because they're not really spreading nails across these tracks. No, they I mean they, they jet clean drive the hell out of the track. Yeah, they jet drive two three laps before we get going. So yeah, uh, he might have run something over. Who knows? I guess we'll never yeah, find we'll out. Never but, know. But I just do see a lot more left rear flats, and I don't even know why. So yeah, generally it is because of low air. You know what day it is, Chuck? What day is that? It is International Women's Appreciation Day. Hell yeah. On top of Women's Appreciation Month. So women's I wanted to give a quick shout history. out 
to Janie. Appreciate you. Appreciate all the wives. Really appreciate Merriman's wife for putting up for whatever dad jokes he brings. <laughs> Kelly, Carissa. What's your wife's name, Merriman? Lindsay. Lindsay. Leanne, shout out to her for crossing all my T's and dot my I's. So we couldn't do it without y'all. Appreciate y'all. And, you know, that makes me feel good. Amy Anderson. All the, Amy Anderson, for sure. We got to make sure that uh, us she employed. gets some love. Yep. Appreciate Lucy that. Lucy Bush. Anybody That's else? That's okay. my mom. Yeah. Chuck's mom. Got to give her a shout out, even though she doesn't listen. Everybody's mom. Yeah. Anybody that's a woman. Yeah. We appreciate y'all. I don't want to wait any longer. This guy's been backing his way into this interview all day long. So let's get him right here on the hook, Mr. Alex Bowman, the hack himself. Join us, Stack and Penny. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys. We are here with the hack himself. Back right into this interview. Happy to be on Second Pennies with us, Mr. Alex Bowman. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sweet sweatshirt, by the way. Must give that a shout out. You have some cool merch. The 48 team just looks like dialed in this year in many ways. I see a billboard on the side of some parking deck in downtown Charlotte. How does that make you feel? Yeah, it's uh, it's been really neat. You know, I think, I mean, it's on the side of the race car. Do it right. It's anything Ally does, they're, they're all in on. So, it's uh it's really cool to have their support and be on the side of a billboard in charlotte's pretty wild i haven't seen it but uh, a bunch of people have texted me pictures of it it's pretty cool for sure well it's like funny enough i was down when we were staying in la for the for the clash race i just saw this big billboard of von miller uh and i'm like it would be bizarre to have your face on the side of a building. And then sure enough, I get back to Charlotte. I'm like, Oh look, there's Alex Bowman's face on the side of the building. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not like, like I don't like attention at all. So it's, um, it's definitely a, a change of pace and a bit different, but uh, it's just really cool to have a partner like ally that's all in on, on whatever they do. Well, they got the soccer team in downtown Charlotte. They got Jimmy Johansson doing all the stuff he's doing. So you're with the right brand if you want to get out of your shell a little bit to get out in the media because those guys are pushing you in all the right ways. But speaking of pushing you in all the right ways, that 48 pushed it to the limit this weekend and got the dub and not even some controversy. There was like some confusion to me as to why somebody was so pissed off. I know this is the question that's been burned up 
uh, for the last three days. I appreciate you jumping on here and talking about it. But I almost feel like that's the sentiment that has been put towards you since you even got to Hendrick Motorsports. And why do you think that people perceive you as like the dark, like the dark horse or not putting credit where credit's due? How do you kind of deal with that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like some of that is just, uh, it's kind of always been that way. Um, and I've never like, I guess, got out and said anything about it. I've just kind of, you know, done my thing and done my job and, and try to do the best job I can on the racetrack. So it's frustrating at times, but at the same time, it's kind of been pretty cool to make some cool merch about it. And like, I talked to Kyle a couple of days ago and uh, I think he was just mad to lose a race. Nobody wants to, uh, to lose a race like that. So I understand where he's coming from. And, um, you know, that's just uh, part of racing sometimes. I don't know. I don't think I took it like that. I thought he took it. Like, I don't take it like he's talking shit. How much? Like, because you hear the comments. There's dogs in the background. We'll get to that in a second. Well, all the good work you're doing for animal shit. You got Are they fighting outside? There's somebody literally standing out the window. Give me one sec. There's a delivery guy, and he's still waiting there. Hang on. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Oh, it, it, no, it's all good. I just was wondering if that was a FedEx truck delivering a bag of M&Ms to your front door. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it coming because, like, they got halfway past my house, and then they stopped, and they backed up and turned in the driveway. And I'm looking at my dogs like, mm, this is not going to go well because Roscoe – is very vocal. He's a beagle, so he's like gotta yell about everything possible. Uh, so somebody at the door, he's gonna yell a lot. Well, that's good. He's protecting <laughs> the homeland, man. You gotta, yeah. sick, you gotta sick him on some intruders sometimes, occasionally. Yeah, forty-four pounds of fury. Man, it sounded like you messed somebody up in the background that I wouldn't mess with. <laughs> Intimidating bark. Well, I guess that kind of segues into like what what's on the car this weekend. If you going into Phoenix, talk about what's on the side of your car. Yeah, so uh, we have best friends on the side of the car, which is really neat. An organization that we started to partner up with last year um, between Ally and myself and best friends. We've just tried to raise a lot of money to donate to local animal shelters kind of in every race market um, across the country. So it's like $4,800 a week this year, and then it goes to 10000 when we win. So really cool to have them on the side of the car this week and um, going to visit a local animal shelter on Friday. So something that's obviously near and dear to my heart. Um, for those of you that just heard my crazy dogs, they're, uh, they're typically much more well-behaved than that unless somebody's at the door. So, um, Roscoe's a rescue, which maybe that's why he just has to yell about everything, but, uh, just trying to raise money to, uh, save some animals lives. It's it, best friends is pretty cool. there goal is to end kill shelters by 2025 which is a really ambitious goal but obviously anything we can do to help that is is really cool man you saved a lot of puppies this weekend cashing that ten thousand dollar check let's go and i also wanted to talk about because your little your little like shade merch business has taken a bit of a takeoff right now like going to the moon I want like, how did that just come about? The first, the first t-shirt was, they didn't even like us anyways. I forgot who said that. You said that. I said that. To who? Uh, to Kevin Hamlin. I think that is like the, I don't know, that goes back to kind of what you were talking about. Like, I don't get credit for much, if anything ever. Like, I, 
I saw a video that was about how Kyle Larson lost the race. I didn't win the race. And it's like, okay, whatever. But I mean, I think that's kind of just how things have been. So I said that to Kevin Hamlin um, after the race at Richmond on the radio. And we thought it was funny. So we made a shirt out of it. And there was a hack shirt. Obviously, we all know where that came from. Also, hang on. Don't move on from that yet because I wanted to ask you about that. I saw Greg Ives' tweet that said you bought 22 replica grandfather clocks for the team guys as well as donated to the animal shelter from the proceeds of that shirt. Let me tell the listeners, those grandfather clocks are not cheap. So how did you distinguish who got a clock and who didn't get a clock? Yeah, they're a couple grand a piece. So um, anybody that wanted one on the 48 team got one. So um, obviously shop guys, uh, team guys, on the road guys, anybody that wanted one, uh, we bought one for, which was cool. Um, I mean, we sold a really large amount of shirts. So it was cool to be able to do that. And then Honestly, to still have some left over was pretty wild. So donated the rest to uh, an animal shelter, and it was really cool. Do you have a plan on what you're going to do with the proceeds of the Las Vegas T-shirt? Yes, yeah, so we're going to donate 18% of that to a local animal shelter. Um, I learned my lesson on the hack shirts. So, like, when we did those, it was just me and Mark Davis um, and a couple friends would stop in here and there to help ship some stuff out. Um, like my smart car crew chief, Joe Gertie, his wife would pop in and ship, ship some shirts. So uh, that was tough. And now I have Kane screen print just doing it all for me. Cause I'm like, I don't want to ship a couple thousand shirts ever again. Um, so it's, it's a little different process now, but kind of streamline everything and should still have a, a really good amount to get to donate to an animal shelter. Love that. Love that. Now, what, like, let's dig into the technical side on, on actually that green, white checkered when you got the win. I thought, and we were talking about it a little bit before on the show of how different this car reacts to the side draft. Because when the five put it on your door into three, take us through that corner. Because for the last 15 years, both of you are trashed with just taking this, the air off your door like that. Were you super loose or you just kind of throttle that thing up and committed? Yeah, I mean, I think in those situations, you know, you have you're on the front row on a green white checkered. Um, it's like the give me the ball situation, right? Like you have to go all out and you have to capitalize on it. So I drove it like it was going to stick. Um, I'm really glad it stuck because if it didn't, Kyle was going with me. Uh, but, you know, I think, like you said, the side draft situation, like I think you can still stall people out pretty similarly to the old car but you don't get people loose as much at all um i think some of being on two tires obviously tightens your car up but yeah i, I drove in there really deep and he followed me all the way down like super shallow entry and ended up getting him tight but yeah i didn't get very loose right there i actually got a little tight off so it's uh it's cool to be able to race a little bit harder with these cars side by side what is your opinion of the new car so far with really and truly two real tests after Daytona into this thing. I think it's getting better. Uh, the teams are getting it better. Like obviously it was a handful in California. Um, I was really loose on entry the whole weekend in California and really struggled with the bumps. And I still struggle with the bumps a little bit in Las Vegas, but I think it's going to continue to get better. Um, 
kind of trying to figure out what the limit really is and where you can live on sliding the right rear tire is probably the hardest part for me because I like to be really loose. Like I have to be so much looser than my three teammates to go fast that it's, it's tough to go into a race car that doesn't like being slid around as much or is so much less forgiving. But uh, I think it's gotten better. I've kind of had to approach things a little bit different, but it's just different and it's going to be a process and a learning process all year, but it's, it's definitely going well. Another thing we were talking about before you jumped on was the, the personal relationships over there at Hendrick. And you've been with Greg Ives for your entire Hendrick tenure. What is it about the personality between you and Greg that makes that makes some success? Probably a lot of underrated success. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think you're going to find two people in the garage any more awkward than him and I. So it's uh, it's a pretty funny relationship, but you know, I think we just work well together. We're both super passionate about what we do. Um, we're, we both don't like to lose and we both get mad about the same stuff. Like we're, we're really similar. So I think uh, we work well together. He's really driven and uh, isn't afraid to try things. And I've, I've really enjoyed working with them. So Obviously, you know, Sunday was a special win for him. It was five years to the day since he lost his mom. So cool to be able to get him a win on that day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we just have always worked well together kind of right off the bat. I don't know exactly what parts or pieces makes it work so well, but it's, it's definitely been a good relationship. All right. So you already punched your ticket into the playoffs three races in. What are the, what is the goals? What are the goals the 48 team has? And I guess my question is, what would you consider a successful season? Yeah, I mean, I think coming into this year, um, just really want to work on the consistency side of things. You know, last year, we either won or finished last, it felt like. So just trying to figure out how to be better week in and week out and approach things differently to create that consistency. Um, you know, obviously, we had a lot of things happen last year, but at the same time, there were weeks that we were just not where we needed to be. So doing as much as we can for that. Um, you know, we want to win more races and go chase the championship, but if we can just consistently run how we should, um, I think we can have a great year. Love that. All right. Two, two questions. And I changed, uh, I'm changing the question. You already answered that about if you had to pick one race car and one racetrack, I believe you said an asphalt midget, either Irwindale or RRP. I can't, couldn't remember which one. Yeah. Probably Irwindale. So my first question is what is your favorite flavor of M&Ms? Uh, I don't know. All the M&Ms I've been around lately have been salty. So <laughs> yes. Love that. Question number two, what is a racing themed like dream that you have? Like, for example, I dream of like being in the hauler, like not dressed as the cars are rolling off for like pace laps. And I, I can't physically get my fire suit on and I'm like running and I'm always like, I'm not, don't like, that's what the example I'm trying to, to get from. Yeah. Um, I don't, I feel like I've had that same thing, right? Like you're panicked cause you can't get where you need to be or whatever. I don't know. I don't really dream about racing very much, but I feel like like a long time ago, I remember having those dreams of being panicked, not being places on time. I've never really talked through that with anybody. I feel like I probably should. Cause I don't have those dreams. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being open in Canada with us here on second pennies. Good luck to you and the 48 team the rest of the year. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Sorry, Roscoe and Finn decided to interrupt the whole thing. And that's going to make for some great social media clip outs for sure. <laughs> Perfect. More boats and woes after this.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, guys. It's time for some pit road boats and woes. We got into some woes of the pit boxes earlier. Let's just get right into the nitty-gritty. We're three weeks into this thing. Who has separated themselves as the best one-nut next-gen crew? So no no uh, mistake here that the Gibbs guys are firing off on all cylinders. The 18 team again this weekend had the fastest average. They are down into the nine-second range in an average. Whoa. So 997, those guys are hauling the mail. And saw a couple um, mid-nines this weekend. I think the new fastest stop. Uh, in all NASCARs on this weekend, a 9.6 is what I saw, By depending who? on how you time it. I saw the 11 card in a 9.6, um, and they were right there average-wise as well, but they had a couple things in their pit box sliding along, getting over the hose, uh, a couple little things here and there. But those guys are hauling the mail and making us all have to catch up. Now, if you're Gibbs, you're not even running this, the choreography that you've been working on. Yeah. So do you stick with what you know, or do you go with all guys around the front of the car? They're, they're all in. I mean, you could argue that they gave up the championship last year working on this, right? Because these guys were practicing one lug nut with a different team. So they had these rosters set last year, more or less. So they would run with their team for this year and then go do truck and Xfinity for practice for their five lug nut stuff. So those guys were like grinding last year. But, they, but, but it's, it's showing up right now. Um, Hendrick cars were fast. The nine car, uh, came in at second this week with a 10, one, six, and they were one of the best five lug nut pit crews. So, so the trend is the, still there the same, the one team in the top five, uh, that we've always saw that's always been in the top five is the four car for the last five years. They're consistently there. And uh, I see the six car popped into the top five this week, which Roush made some, some big hires from other teams, some guys from Ganassi, some guys from Hendrick, um, that they got on the six car there. So it's good to see them doing well. Now, the one pit crew, I believe, was one of the better ones on pit, road, pit crew last year on pit road. Where yeah. are they? So, they, they're right there. They're seventh, right? And you're splitting hairs. Uh, it's 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 one one a little bit slow stop that takes you from third to seventh, right? You can't have a, you can't have a, a rough stop and, and average well. What are the meetings like? Like, where's the two team on that list? Uh, coming in at a hefty 17th. So... What are the goals or what are the areas you guys are working on to try to get close that gap? So there's a lot, right? You got to look at the race. Um, so so the average just kind of gives you a broad spectrum, but you it doesn't show uh, you, when you have to do an adjustment or you you're working on your car. Not so much damage. They they found out ways to take damage out, but when you're working on your car, you're not having a great day. The the stop the stopwatch doesn't stop when you're turning wrenches, and and it's when you, when you're making a right side or a left side adjustment now with as fast as 
from the time the carrier puts the tire on to the time you run the nut up, that's that's the time they have to make the adjustment. So it's just putting them further behind. Um, but then when you get a chance to do just a four tire no adjustment stop, you better crush it because uh, that's where you're gonna get. That's where you're gonna make your time back up. But the but yeah, the meetings are, are intense at our place, just like they are at any place where you're behind, and you just gotta figure out how to get better, right? Uh, kicking and screaming ain't gonna fix it. So you watch other teams, you watch what some guys are doing. Okay, I can do that a little better. This is the problem I'm having. You've got to go figure it out. It's just it's just like uh, you're just in the trenches, digging your way out of it. Is which position hinges the stop and makes it go better or worse? Is Everybody. The Everybody. Everybody. The Jackman is is really big and um you know the development of the jacks at different teams are you know it's huge there's there's um i was looking at the hendrick jack they were pumping mine the other day the right before the race i'm like holy shit there's there's that talks like a that a hendrick, one car. there's there's talks that the hendrick jack if you just touch the handle it drops the car you don't have to turn it right and like there's there like truly and honestly something you wouldn't think about when you use a jack that we used last year you're going so fast that the hydraulics on the jack, if you just use one that you've always used, it doesn't drop fast enough. <laughs> like it, it literally, that's something I never would have thought of. I've been racing my whole life. Yeah. The jack doesn't drop fast enough for the pit stop. Whoa. As fast as you're going. So, so you have so different jacks developed for the next gen car? Like, uh, teams do, right? Uh, right now we're running the same jack we have, but teams have developed, you know, jacks. You've heard about batteries being in jacks and different, like there's a lot of different stuff going on on these things um they're the new pick guns like we had you know five six years ago and everybody had their own specialized pick gun lightweight titanium carbon fiber the jacks are now that yeah how many teams do you think when we come around after this after phoenix we're going to atlanta which was the date that nascar is going to allow teams to run in front of the car as opposed to the carrier or the changer has to follow the car from the rear how many teams do you think do that i'm not sure what that's going to look like i i would assume that six six teams we know for sure are going to do it, and that'd be the JGR teams and the twenty three XL teams for sure. Um, I called it XL. Twenty three eleven. No, I actually called it twenty three XI in in Denny's presence. He goes, "It's twenty three eleven." So call it what it is. Hey, my bad. Twenty three eleven. Hey, don't come at me. I'm coming at you. Uh, We're coming at y'all next too with some more pit road boats and woes. Unless you got more. That's hey, no, that's that's what I think. And and the woes this weekend, obviously, it was one on pit road. But it wasn't one in the stall; it was one on the box. So we're seeing a lot of these races, and and it's going to come down, going to come down to it. Uh, with with as fast as pit stops now, though, if you have a bad right side stop, you can still get beat out by a four tire stop. So it's pretty interesting to see, and uh, I'm excited for the rest of the year. Just for y'all listening, they are changing four tires and dumping 22 gallons of fuel in in less than 10 seconds. 9.6 seconds for four tires and 22 gallons of fuel. That is absurd. It's a lot to process. And that's a pit. That's not a pit road, but whoa. That is a pit road. Let's go. Yeah, they should give us boats. Are, they should give us boats for this. More like yachts. Yep. Pit road, yachts, and woes. Talk to you all in a second. All right, guys, we're back. We're going to Phoenix, but we lost Chuck here. Merriman, why'd you kick him out? Uh, I just didn't like looking at him anymore. Yeah, I didn't either. And the way our chairs are situated, he kind of like gives me the willies when we make eye contact. Yeah, he's a big willies guy. Yeah. 
He backed right out of here. He did back. <laughs> he backed right out of here. I don't know. I think he's interviewing somebody. Yeah. Who knows? Probably. They interviewed a new podcast host. No, no. I, I think I think you're stuck with us. Shit. Unless you want to write a letter to Tim Clark. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I, I, well, I can, I've already got the job, so there's no sense of writing a letter. Maybe for my cancellation. Yes, I'm saying like. It, oh, resignation, resignation. letter. Yeah. No, no, dearest Tim, can you please replace Merriman and Chuck on stacking pennies? I'll replace you. I won't yeah. replace Chuck. Chuck I, brings I actually see, some insightful stuff. I can't understand that. I feel like I'm a lot more likable than Chuck is. I like me a lot. Of course, you'd Chuck. say that. It's you. You're the villain of the show, and that's Am why. I? Yes, I just give you a hard time about loose lugs and everything else. Yeah, that's my. I'm. Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to give us the ice cold Blue Mountain takes. Um, we're going to Phoenix. Going back out to the desert. Good Dude, town. I don't know about you, Ryan, but this West Coast swing, like, I, I'm smoked. Just oh yeah. The like, and you only fly out on Saturday afternoons generally. Yeah. We're flying out Friday mornings a lot of times, and my body doesn't know what time zone to be on. We're in mountain time zone this weekend, so they don't even change hours and it, there. And it switches this weekend. I know. It's always weird. Phoenix, but Phoenix stays the same time. Everywhere else changes around it. It's bizarre. They're onto something there. They are onto something there. We need to do that everywhere. But that's neither here nor there. Right now, our guys are smoked. I'm smoked. I'm excited to get back to the East Coast, do a little race in Atlanta. Come back to Austin, Texas, down in Code. I'm excited about that. I'm just ready to be on the east Eastern time zone. Yeah. Well, That's what I want. Preview of championship weekend, too, how these cars are going to race Yeah, uh, on this racetrack. And a lot of people say it's similar to Richmond, if you will. So, you know, yeah. you got the first four races of the year. You got four totally different racetracks you go to. So that's exciting. I agree. I agree. Harvick, too, has the most amount of wins going into a race. Uh, he has nine. Hasn't won there in four years, though. Yeah, I think it's time to retire the king of Phoenix. Ooh, I don't know. I do. Ooh. What do you mean, hand the crown over? Who do you hand the crown over to? Um, somebody who's, I don't know, won there more In the last four years? Yeah, but, I mean, I'm just, he's not been a factor there. The, in the in the past four years, he has not been a factor. God, there. Kevin Harvick used to be unbeatable there. Unbeatable. Yeah. I'm pumped up because everybody's spinning out and testing here. Were they? Yeah, yeah they're spinning tough. out off of four. Big time. No, turn two. Oh, uh, well, I saw a couple guys wreck off two, and then a couple uh, – Chase Elliott. 38 wrecked off two. Yep. 12, 38, five. 18. Oh, I forgot about that. We didn't even go out to the test, so yeah. a little bit nervous going out there with no notes. Hopefully well, we have a setup that's close when we get out there. Good thing for you. You can go on NASCAR's YouTube. You can look up both days of testing, if you will. We have a couple highlights clipped out. You can see where people are having trouble. Do you have cool. like an iRacing fix set? Maybe you can, can call Keegan Leahy no. and he can. No, Maybe I'm Keegan talking about we. We have Keegan's number. No, I don't. We uh, live stream the test. I need some iRacing set up because we have no clue. Well, I'll tell you, text we no Dale, clue. but we know he just leaves you on red. He, he does leave me on red. Like red is his hair. I thought oh. we were buddies, yeah. but we're not. Well, you're not. So Merriman, Blue Blue Mountain, cold ice cold takes. Who's your pick this week well i mean i think you could probably count kevin harvick's no longer the king of phoenix as a blue mountain take if you will he uh, hasn't been strong yet no. he so, said where did he where was he at, where did he finish last week he ran tail in the top 10 i don't know if he finished in the top 10 but he he wasn't on tv much that's for yeah. sure well, uh, if you're not the first two cars on fox you're not gonna get shown anyway so that's a oh problem. little dig of fox i think that we are going to see rcr or an rcr affiliate in victory lane i know that broadens things up but i'm eyeballing tyler reddick i would i would argue 
that this track doesn't fit into Tyler Reddick's wheelhouse. Yeah. He likes to slide it around on the fence, hauling ass tracks. When it comes to using the middle, the pedal in the middle, doesn't seem like he really is at, you know, I don't think that he really gets on the stick and is like what we saw at California, what we see at Vegas, what we see at Homestead. I think uh, the places where a little more discipline comes in, it seems like it's a little bit of his weakness. There you go. I, I, don't want to do this, but I'm going to be a homer because, and I, ha- I have some reasons why, right? Um, oh, we've been our our team usually pits well at Phoenix. We it's a track that, for whatever even box sizes and everything, we do well at. The last three times we have been there with Austin, we have won two, and then we got rooted for the championship. But he's led a lot of laps. Xfinity cars a lot like the Cup car now. He's done really well there in the past, and. I think Penske cars are, are good at tracks like this, so I am. I would either go twelve or two this weekend. Well, and I don't. I don't mean to. Hmm. I don't mean to poo poo on you a little bit. But didn't Marty Snyder call you guys out in Phoenix this past time for? I don't know whatever happened with Brad two years ago out there. Didn't he? Do yeah, that? I lived it, man. Yeah, different team. We got different. We got different people. We, but yeah, no, we we. We lost the championship there for Brad. Well, we didn't lose it. We just won it for Chase. That's how I like to look at it. Uh, in 2000, 2020, when we Brad come in leading in the second stage, lost the lead on pit road, never got it back. Mm. Had a rough day on pit road. He didn't poo-poo on us, I don't think. Mm. And he came up to me and asked me if he could. Yeah, well, that's what I was that. talking about, yeah. I said, yeah, man, we sucked. I get it. You say whatever you want. It sucks to suck. It you does. know who doesn't suck? The penny stacker of the week. Hey, who do you pick for this week? So some guy came up to me, hands me a roll of pennies. Fresh from, I don't even know they made pennies anymore. Thought they were, I don't know, out of continuation. Out of circulation, if you will. But nope. I got nice stack, 50 cents worth of pennies from Chris Berry. He cheaped out and didn't even give you a dollar's worth? The damn dollar pennies would have been a foot long. Hey, they make buns that big. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't trying to eat a foot long Dodger dog penny sandwich. So what do you do with them? What you do? I the kept roll? them in the roll. Do you take them in your pocket? You glue the whole roll to your yeah. dashboard like Earnhardt. Earnhardt put one up there. What's wrong with you know an entire roll? Yeah, that's too heavy though. So I put it in my pocket. I don't have it in my pocket right now. Is that a roll of pennies in it, your pocket, or you just have it see me? That's just bad. <laughs> Fifty cents worth. Yeah, 50 cents worth of excitement. So, Chris Berry, congratulations, sir. You are the penny stagger of the week. I appreciate you uh, buying me, I don't know, a pack of Tic Tacs at the grocery. I don't know. What can you even buy for 50 cents anymore? Uh, you can get two. You have to have quarters, though, so you're shit out of luck. You can get two little gumballs in the screw machine or oh. a sticker at, like, uh, the entryway of the grocery store or one of those hands that you sling and stick to the wall <laughs> and pull back to you. So, anything in the arcade zone at CC's Pizza. Yes. Yep. You probably get into CC's Pizza for 50 cents. Probably could. But I'm not going to spend that guy's money because it's sentimental now. Sentimental. Are you uh, 50 sentimental? My my team has been pretty hot on um Get your hair cut, you hippie. Yeah. Have you heard have you heard any more of that? Every single one of your guys that walks by me yells at me. Yeah. Get a haircut, you hippie. You got to pick a driver you think's going to do well. Yeah, you just breeze right over this Phoenix yeah. deal. And- I I mean, I, it's a little hanging for every week. But Kyle Larson, I think, he was the f- fastest out there in testing. Won the last race there. Goes in there with some confidence. The five teams going to be hard to beat. 
he should have he should have swept both races there last year. He sped on pit road the first race, came back and won the championship. It's hard yeah. to not hard to go wrong with the five right now, no matter where you're going. Jane, penny for your thoughts. All right, Janie, we got some good penny for your thoughts questions this week. What do we got? Our first two are both seat-related questions. So the first one is from Nathan Grant, and he asks, Corey, just curious, at what access point of the car does the seat get installed through? I know they aren't small pieces. The little roof hatch? Uh, no, so you take the headrest off, um, and you can kind of like weave them down through the driver window because the next-gen roof hatch is smaller, so you could not get that through you can barely get the body through the roof hatch let alone a seat so the seat goes through the window and then the headrest gets bolted on afterwards and patrick berger wants to know have you had to change the design of the seats or change how they sit in the next gen cars this year my seats are the exact same i just poured new inserts in them uh, because my feet are in a little bit different location they're a little bit further away um so the next gen car for me are way is way comf- more comfortable because I'm lower and I've got more legroom. Kind of like a lazy boy, but my seat pretty much sits the same angle, but my feet are further away and I'm lower, like Earnhardt. When you build new cars, do you get new seats or you just take seats out of every car? So I've got 5 seats in circulation and I think we're going to have four center sections cuz now with the next gen car you bolt the front rear clips on. So my team's going to try to keep four cockpits always together, seats, wiring, all that stuff, and just interchange, like build a short track front clip, build a short track rear clip, and then swap those out. What's the shelf life on a seat? When do you retire one? You can, well, actually, the aluminum seats get stronger with age, just the way the, the aluminum's made, but carbon seats, I think, are, if they x-ray them every two years when you recertify them, but the certification goes out every two, you just slap a new sticker on it if it checks out. What if it, what if you're in a big wreck? Then you'll take it out, you'll go through it, um, and there's particular areas that'll crack on an aluminum seat when it absorbs the impact, and there's areas on a, a carbon seat they'll crack too. So if a carbon seat cracks, they'll just throw it out, but aluminum seat, we can take it apart and weld it and grind it and make it right. How many guys are left running aluminum seats now? Not many. Three or four. Yeah. Yeah, on Sundays. There's more Xfinity guys. There's probably 15 Xfinity guys, just because they're more affordable. You know, an aluminum seat's anywhere from five to six grand carbon seats are upwards of 12 grand so a lot of the teams now all they they've got it fixed up to where all the drivers run pretty much the same seat and you just change the insert correct so like hendrick some guys are particular about their tubs but i, I would just for example like penske runs the same fiberworks tub and they'll swap out inserts for austin for joey for ryan and for harrison they're all laser cut they're pretty sweet cnc so you can scan your body and it'll it'll they dial you in well, there you go, Patrick. There's your answer. Um, our next question is from at superhero to five. And he says, so when NASCAR sends someone to the rear, how does that order go when it's multiple people going to the rear? Yeah, I'm sure he's referring to the Xfinity race because half the field had to go to the rear. A lot of the times it's kind of like a gentleman's agreement. You know, like if there's a guy faster than you um, and you both go to the back, like if Kyle Larson and I go to the back, like I'm letting Kyle start in front of me. Like I'll let him pave the way. If they were getting really particular about it, it's probably by points. So the higher points guy goes to the least back, and then the guy that's deepest in points starts in the very back. But, yeah, that was something interesting, seeing 16 cars go to the back in the Xfinity race. 
So I have a question to wrap this up. Watching the race on Sunday, you saw Kyle Busch behind Bowman and they're locking bumpers in the final restart. When you're locking to push somebody, are you naturally backing off because your car can't lock for that long? Or is there strategy to bump and then get right off quick? That's a great question, Janie. Jeez, look at you go. Um, It's all situational. Um, because I think the trailing car has less drag on it than the leading car. So unless the lead car really gets a good jump, this guy in second can stay on your bumper, but you also want to let him go essentially and get off the guy's rear bumper to get a little bit of air on your nose before you hit the corner. If not, your the front of your car, if you're trailing, will start lifting just because it doesn't have the force pushing down. So if you don't show a headlight or get a little bit of gap, you're, you're, front splitter will be higher than what's intended to be and you're just plow. So there's a little bit of that uh, in play as well. And then we saw when I lined up in the front row on old tires and Cole Custer was behind me, he tried to, to hit me and get me going. But as soon as he timed his bump, he actually timed his bump perfect to when I went to the gas pedal. So as I was trying to apply the gas, he hit me and it just broke the tires loose just enough for me to spin them. And then once you get separated, it's hard to get reattached. So it's really situational to when you hit, but on the restarts, it's super important right now with these cars. Would you say that Kyle Busch was pushing Alex or Alex backed into him? No. So the, the second, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, but like, yeah, if you watch that, there's a lot going on there because when Kyle pushed him, he pushed him. Then he went to go split down. Like you could barely see it, but if he would have split down and Alex didn't cover there and he gets the bottom, the race over. Race is over. So like, so like you or can almost probably see, Larson wins it. Well, you, what, Definitely not the forty-eight if he gets put in the middle. Correct. But um, yeah, you could you could almost see like right when you think like, hey man, you better cover the white line. The forty-eight kind of blocks that. Yeah, so that's definitely a chess match on restarts. A lot of stuff going on in restarts. You got to maintain track position for all it's worth because it's so hard to get. And that's a metric that a lot of people are measuring now, plus or minus. You know, in the first lap or two of restarts, whatever that whatever that is. I don't know. I'm sure each team measures it's different, yeah. but it's a stat that they really look at and try to get better at. I also noticed too that position we, retention. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but like when that outside car is pinching down on the inside car, it seems like to me that they're a lot closer this year than they have been because I it guess, can be you know, the side force isn't there. So are they just trying to make up the difference and like side drafting? I it, mean, it's a little bit of both, but do you have to be that close now with the new car? So the side draft with this car is less effective, uh, so you have to be even tighter yeah. uh, on the door. But I don't care how much or how little you're relying on side force. Like being that close to somebody's door is still a recipe for disaster. Well, I was going to say you're going to see some guys packing on each other's doors, similar to how we saw Harvick and Chase. Remember that Bristol when Harvick was or the nine was tight to the fourth door? I forget which which way it went actually, but. <laughs> Like you'll see that happen, and you'll see some guys wrecked. Like it's not completely out of the out of the game. Gotcha. Because air still is a the main factor when a car is going 185 miles. Gotta have to live. What I saw this week, uh, something we've been talking about, is the guys are getting more used to the car dumping over in the left rear. Like Chris Bell had it happen; it dumped over in the left rear, and he's able to save it because it's like, okay, that happens. Figure it out. You know who did not save it? Eric Jones. Oof. He stuffed that thing. Same dude. thing. Uh, they said the same thing. The chest ain't didn't. Dude, he was right in front of me in California, and it was it was enough for me, like in my helmet, to go. <laughs> like, as I've never seen anybody hit the wall that hard, dude. Yeah, well, when it went right, when Jones went right, it like 
eats. It just went. Because it sits on the left rear bump stop, right? We never used to have a left rear bump stop, so there was a, it was really forgiving. Now, when that thing, when you get loose and you kind of over, you correct it to the right and you lift and it sits on that left rear bump stop, it just drives into the tire well, and you, you just stuff it. What are, explain to me what a rub block is versus what a bump stop is. Like what TV says this all the time. I'm like, well, I don't know the damn difference. The bump stop is what in the shock itself. Okay. A rub block or the aluminum blocks under, underneath the car to save the teams from having to put a $16,000 belly pan on them every week. So they're in contact with the asphalt when they hit. Correct. Um, but NASCAR made shock rule, shock length rules to you would get to the bump stops, quote unquote, before you would get to the rub blocks. So you're probably three quarters of an inch away from the rub blocks when you get into the shock stops. And the bump stops that people were used to hearing of before were adjustable. You could run bump springs, you could run bump rubbers, and you could tune it in. 1,000-pound spring to a 10,000-pound bump spring. Now, it's literally just a nylon washer inside the piston that you have about 80 thousandths worth of give. So it's just not a hard stop, but uh, you don't want to rely on that for handling because that's essentially just to keep the cars from going any lower. Gotcha. Yep. Thank you. We need to do. We need to get Bozzy to do a shock stop. Um, Bozzy. But what I say, Bozzy. The Boz. The Boz. Bozman. The Boz. Is that his real name? Bozzy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's on his birth certificate. Bozadar. That's better than Boz. It's not Bozadar. It's the Boz. <laughs> the Boz man. It's the Boz. He's the Boz. Boz. Do a shock stop picture. If you have not course. followed him, he's a good follow and has great threads on. And if Technical you haven't aspect. subscribed to Stacking Pennies, make sure you subscribe to that and give it five-star reviews. Yep. All right, guys. I've had enough for the day. I'm going to head out to Phoenix this week. Hopefully, you all tune in. It's been a great time stacking pennies. Hopefully, you all tune in next week.